All right, welcome back to another episode of the Burl Sound recording here live at the UUI Collective. I'm your host with the most, DJ Zar, aka Big Turk, aka Abu Kimchi and Beans. Make sure you comment, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And uh, without further ado, our next guest with over 19,000 monthly Spotify listeners, yeah, yeah, songwriter, our artist, yeah, yeah, also one of the hosts of a really dope Toronto based show called Clubhouse Jams, presented by Hunters Club. He's been putting in that work and he's ready to let y'all know about it. Without yeah, yeah. further ado, by way of East Scarborough, East. we got Trey West in the building. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So I'm here. I hope my toque is tooking. You know what I'm saying? I hope we here. I got the hookah with me. My Jeez. boys done took care of me. You know what I'm saying one month so from the weed don't let the weed take control of your life you understand it is west that's trey west music on all platforms and i mean every single platform you could google me um shout out to kt you feel me shout out to watch the sauce the man with the sauce you feel me shout out to slim Fo if you didn't know the greatest producer out here you know what i'm saying we on the road with it Jeez. Yeah. And No Name Tim, by the way. I can never forget about Tim, bro. You guys crazy. Yeah, thank you. I almost forgot about Tim. No Name Tim, one of the other greatest producers I ever had the privilege of making music with. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, we here. Speaking on making music, I really want to dig into the story here. When did you start making music? Wow. Uh, I think I wrote my first unofficial written probably like grade six, but... I didn't start taking it seriously until high school when I ran into a couple guys that, you know, made it cool. And before that, I actually ran into my boy Splash from Hunter's Club, uh, Clubhouse Jams. Shout out to Clubhouse Jams, Henny and the Mandem. You Big up me? Splash, who said Big this up, up, you know what Big I'm saying? Um, he and his brother, uh, you know, they had a couple of years on me and they lived right across the street. So I used to go and, you know, hang out with them. They would treat me. That was their young boy back then. You know what I'm saying? We play video games. Just play basketball and then they were also making music, you know. Uh Stax would play the piano, Splash was on the mic, like it was just something that I realized. I'm like, okay, like this is something I think I'd like to do. Like these are the cool guys in my life. And I wanna be like the cool guys in my life. So mm-hmm. let me get cool, you know what I'm saying? Let me get mm-hmm. with it. Whew. What um what other interests did you have at that point in your life, like besides music? I played sports like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Soccer, basketball, uh, rugby, wrestling. But it just like, you know, you get, you get a couple injuries and mm-hmm. and then you realize like, you know, maybe we should pick something else. I, you know 100%. Like, I had a one-two concussion. It was game over after that. I said short-term memory loss. In rugby? In rugby, yeah. Rugby almost, rugby almost took my mind from me still. I'm not going to lie to you. Yo, that's an intense sport. Yeah. It's because it's like it's like football without any of the gear in a sense. Like it's it, it, constant like people collisions. think rugby's a joke until you play one or two games of rugby, and they got two different versions of rugby. They got sevens where there's seven people on the field, then they got fifteens. Yeah. So it's like imagine football if it was football, and then they just slapped you know double the amount of mans on the field, mm-hmm. and then it, it became very real. And it's like you tackle with technique or you get hurt. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But it, heart wasn't enough in rugby. You had to figure it out. Can you now like watch a rugby game and be entertained? Or is it something like oh, only hell when yeah. I played? No, oh, okay. I think after playing it for long enough, like when you understand the intricacies of uh, what's going on, mm-hmm. you could definitely enjoy it. And you could respect the fact that it, it's a it's a dangerous sport. It's an entertaining sport and, mm-hmm. and, and it's reserved for the real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I have a two-part question for you. Um, so when people ask you, oh, like, where are you from? What do you say and how do you feel like where you're from influences your sound. I'm from I'm from East Scarborough. 
right? I, I grew up on Port Union and Lawrence. That's very close to the beaches, mm. if not the beaches. You know what I'm saying? By that um, pizza pizza? Yes. Jeez. Right there. That's a good pizza right there. pizza. The LCBO, the pizza pizza, the, the KFC. That's, that's a solid Popeyes. pizza pizza. I'm not oh, going to lie. It's one it's of the best one. ones. It's one of the best ones. I grew up in uh, a co-op housing project down there. Uh, mm. Just me, my mom, my sister, my aunt for a little bit, but then she moved to Galloway. And so I kind of went back forth, back and forth from, from Port Union and Galloway, which is a couple bus stops away. But um, I actually went to the, the primary school down there in Charlottetown. Charlottetown Public Boulevard, Charlottetown Public School. I don't even know what that is. Charlottetown something. You understand what I'm saying? But shout out mm. to Charlottetown. Mm. And then uh, I went to Sir Oliver Moat Collegiate for two years. You went then, to Mowat? Oh, hell yeah. And Jeez. They keep my ass out of trouble. I left Mowat and went to Pickering High. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I used to take the bus down Kingston Road. I was still living with my dukes, my mom. And, uh, you know, I, was, I wasn't I was doing the right things when I was in Scarborough. So I hope that, you know, a little distance from what was so familiar to me mm-hmm. was going to, you know, inspire me to do a little bit better. And it did. Mm-hmm. I thank God every day I made that decision. How would you compare your your Pickering High School experience versus Moet? Because Moet, we we knew Moet to have like this reputation as like wild white school. I'm about to say they used to call Moet Mo White. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was more white people there than anywhere anywhere else in Scarborough. Because it was a it was a collegiate. It was like an art school, and it was very, very not very. It was on the beaches, so it's like a lot of more athletes. Even though I was in co-op housing right across from the street from that was was you know million million dollar cribs, mm-hmm. and um, I just ended up growing up with a lot of beyond being cultured and and you know like not letting that kind of stuff bother me, but. Um, there was an abundance of white people at Moet. And, you know, when I switched over to Pickering High, which was a crazy, a crazy difference because you wouldn't even think. But like there was a lot of black people in Durham who moved out of Scarborough, mm-hmm. right? Parents who, you know, made their money and went and bought their houses. It wasn't in Scarborough. They bought it in Pickering, Ajax. Mm-hmm. And Pickering High borderlines Pickering and Ajax is in Pickering Village on Church in Kingston. Mm-hmm. So, um not only did I go there and meet a lot of other Scarborough kids that were like me that were coming there from Scarborough because not only was it French immersion, but I had a great sports program. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like culture shock for me. You know what I'm saying? As much as I grew up and I lived in Scarborough and I was always around black people. When I went to high school, it was an abundance of white people until I went mm-hmm. to Pickering High and it was an abundance of black people. Like it went from, you know what I mean? Like, no cap. I was wearing Aeropostale underwear. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dead ass. Like, I was in America. That's where I bought my jeans I had at. Bare American Eagle. I'm American not going to cap. Yeah, like, I didn't really know myself until I knew myself. And then mm-hmm. I got to Pickering High and I saw, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, a bunch of my niggas. You know what I'm saying? And, and it went from, you know, pizza, pizza at lunchtime to like freestyle circles and, mm-hmm. and you know, fried chicken and, you know what I mean? And, and everything that comes with it. Yo, I have a big question. How do you feel like you would be different if you Spent the whole four years at Moet. Ah, man. I know I would have figured it out eventually, but I don't think I would have figured it out as quick as I did. I think I would have mm-hmm. been... I was still artsy. I was in band class. I played the drums. I was I was even in a play at one point in time. I used to dance. You know what I'm saying? I was always artsy, an artsy guy. But um, Pickering High kind of... Scarborough gave me my backbone, mm-hmm. and Pickering High pulled it out of me like I had mm-hmm. to like you know what I'm saying because you know you first go to a new school I, I pulled up at Pickering High in grade 11 like mm-hmm. niggas didn't know who I was you know what I'm saying so um, when I got there I kind of had a chip on my shoulder and then you know not even to be cool like I I just wanted to be liked yeah. you know what I'm saying and, mm-hmm. and and there was a lot of people in that school uh, who you know at first approached me kind of trying to you know test how I kind of was and it turned into me making a, a lot of my best friends that I have right now came from the Durham side of things. You know what I'm saying? Came from, from, it wasn't even just Pickering High. I have, some of my best friends went to Dumbarton. Some of my mm-hmm. best friends went to Jake Clark. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and, and it really turned into, 
like a Durham community, even though I would take the bus from Scarborough to Durham every day and the back and then back. So I still have my Scarborough community. Mm. But then I have my Durham community, which was very focused on, you know, being black and culture and, mm. and, and everything that that my white people from the beaches wasn't really showing me. Like I mm-hmm. had my, my five or 10 friends that were black and, you know, we, we grew up and we played ball every other day. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? We did all that, all that good stuff, but it was picking how that really changed me and kind of molded who I turned into be in terms of my character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just happened that way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know. So when you're in that situation where, you know, you go to a school like 95% of the demographic is one thing and like, you're like a minority. Are you like, you're looking like for like the black dudes there? Are you like adjusting yourself to kind of like fit in? Cause it's, it must be like, how do you adapt to that environment in a way that like, you know, your, your, your value is high in that high school, you know, people rate you, but at the same time, the culture is so different. I was, I was lucky enough that I grew up in the area. Right. So mm. everybody went to primary school. Then they went to the middle school. I didn't actually attend the middle school cause I had moved right before up the street to Port Union and Shepherd. Right. Mm. Um, so the school that I ended up going to was Rouge Valley. Shout out to Rouge Valley. It was K to eight, but Charlottetown was K to grade six. And then you did the seven, eight at Joseph Howe. And then that's where all the, you know, schools in that area will kind of congregate everybody mm. being the same age. And then everybody ended up high school. So when I got to high school, beyond and my sister graduated moment, mm-hmm. right? She's five and four and a half years older than me. It was so still like, familiar. It, it wasn't be, un- it was beyond familiar. Like oh, okay. they already knew who I was. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like my sister was mad cool. So I just had to be mad cool. You know what I'm That's saying? That's why you're down to run beer pong. Oh yeah, like bro. Moment, like this guy on, probably man. ran beer pong. Yeah, bro. yeah. I'm 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 very multifaceted. I like to call <laughs> myself a hybrid, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Um but it really turned into like it was a place of love. It was it it it, it, it really was because it, it, I, I felt it's never like I didn't feel accepted or I didn't, I had, I had black friends. I had niggas that, that didn't feel as accepted. Mm. Um, but they just didn't have the history that I had in terms of the entire area of the place. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I even went to summer school at one point in time, just to, you know, up my grades. This is summer school going into high school, not even high school, summer school. So like grade eight going into grade nine. Trying I remember to, those people that did that stuff. Yeah. Like, I went oh, to Joseph okay. Brandt. That Joseph Brandt was down Lawrence a little bit. Closer to Galloway, I went to Joseph Brandt and I met uh, one of my early, early on friends. Her name was Bridget. Her name was Bridget Hazel. She was a white girl. And um, it was just like, she was cool with everybody. So that when she was cool with me and I ended up in high school, who I was already cool with 50% of the people, mm-hmm. the other 50% that I didn't know were like, oh, you, you, you the nigga, you, you the nigga they've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's me. I'm here. Shout out Bridget Hazel. Yeah, shout out Bridget. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even talk about Bridget <laughs> enough, but yeah, she, she was a milestone in my life still. I have a couple white girls that were milestones in my life. I wonder what Bridget Hazel's doing now. Like, what would you say to her if you had to like, if she was watching this? Well, she knows just love. It's just one of those things where like, I, I hope she's doing well. I spent a lot of time. Uh, with Bridget, you know what I'm saying? Like she was one of the 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 really good friends that I that I had, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. always authentic, never never judged me for how I was or how I looked or what I did, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was it was it was an authentic human she being. Sounds like so, a real one. Oh, one of the, one of the realest ones. Yeah. Yeah, one of the her and her sister, one of the realest ones. Shout out to Hazels. Yeah, shout out to Hazels. Uh all right. So, I'm going to switch gears here and I want to mention that the dis- the distinction between you saying oh I'm a rapper versus a songwriter. So you're a songwriter. You also write lyrics for other people. I was a songwriter first. Songwriter first. So you weren't do- performing your raps. You were writing no. lyrics for like was yeah. it singing or rapping? Both. Wow. Yeah. It How was anybody who needed anybody who really needed at the point I was working with. 
my boy Kofi, I grew up uh, after I left Port Union and Lawrence, went to Port Union Shepherd. I met uh, this girl named Asia. Shout out to Asia Gemma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my boy Kofi's older sister. Me and her are the same age. So me and mm-hmm. her messed with each other pretty heavy. And then, you know, I started doing the rap thing. I started, you know, kind of, I was writing verses. I was putting out freestyles and um, her brother, her little brother at the time, uh, he started getting into music. He's amazing now. You know what I mean? He's doing his, he's doing his damn thing. Shout out to Kofi. Um, but he pretty much hit me up one day a couple of times and I wasn't really taking him seriously at first until one day I went over to their house, which was like a 10 minute walk from my house to hang out with his sister. And he came downstairs and he was like, bro, like I've been hitting you up. Come check me out. And I walked upstairs and the man turned his spare bedroom into a studio. Like, I mean, like curtains stapled to the, to the roof, like, mm. like Mike right there on the desk, like full interface, like things that I was, cause I was very much a writer, mm. very much an artist, like very much a, I wasn't a producer or an engineer, you know what I'm saying? But he was doing it all. Mm. So that when he played me his stuff and I heard it, like I, I my ears, like I, I've always had really good ears for quality. Like I really could be in an A and R with it, you know what I'm saying? But it, it, it's really one of those things where like I was a fan from the first time he did that. Mm. Beyond me already having love for his family mm-hmm. and, and 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 being around him so much, so it turned from you know me going up. I didn't even hang out with his sister that day. I think we spent the whole day in the studio, the whole mm. summer after that. It was, it was, I can't even remember what year it was, but it was, it was, it was before the dreadlocks. I don't know if you guys know who Kofi was, but before the dreadlocks, you know what I'm saying? Back when it was Afro Kofi, you know what I'm saying? I was in the house and uh, we spent every day in that basement. At first it was upstairs and then it went to the basement. We spent every day in there, you know, just perfecting sound. You know what I mean? Truly believing that it, it was sound above, above all that clout shit that, you know, us Toronto rappers and Toronto niggas love to glorify. It was really, you know, who sounds the best for me and him. You know what I'm saying? And and he at first was more engineer producer than he was artist. Mm-hmm. So I allowed myself to kind of take a back seat and, and help him the best way I could because I believed in him um, to, you know, develop his writing capability. Now he don't even need me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's a danger on his own. Mm-hmm. Been a danger on his own for mm-hmm. years. So, um, but if you ever get the chance to ask him about me, I'm sure he'll tell you himself. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, like it was, it was a, it was a process. It was, and through him, I met other artists. You know what I mean? I, I, I know a young guy named Velo who I met at the Galloway Boys and Girls Club, who's one of the best rappers. He was, he was pop smoke before pop smoke was pop smoke. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he had the voice, you know what I'm saying? That, that mm-hmm. deep, that, that girl, you know what I'm saying? And it, it, it really turned into something where I started seeing people around me who I knew could do it. And in in hindsight, like if if our city was a little bit more like you know Atlanta or or, or mm. New York or L A, like one of the music hubs where people kind of stick a little bit more together, like mm. these kids are these guys are problems. You know what I'm saying? Like I I could put either one of them in a room with anybody I know from out here, and like I promise you, they're getting they're getting worked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, mm. it, it really turned into a a, a journey. And he ended up playing NCAA volleyball and going to UCLA for a couple of years. I would hop on a plane. Shout out to Eve. Eve's my mother. She works at Air Canada. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got travel benefits. I'm a little bit spoiled that way. So I used to get on the plane and I would go to L.A. Uh, I would land at LAX and I would I would either get picked up or I'd take the bus all the way to Hollywood where uh, UCLA was, where Westwood, California. Shout out to Westwood. It's where I released uh, Love, which was one of my most popular tracks by popular demand. I actually wrote it down here, but it was on a different beat. And I went down there and I was rapping it to, you know, his teammates in the frat house and all of that. And then he came in and he played me another beat and then we recorded it in his closet. And it was just like, 
it was just like every time I would run into a situation where I felt like, you know, maybe this is not what I should be doing. It was the exact opposite. You know what I mean? It was like, it, it was substantial growth every single time I went out there, every single time I networked with these people. So, mm-hmm. uh, beyond him, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a couple people. I'm not just gonna, I'm sorry, just, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name the list, but mm-hmm. I, I, I've been writing and mm-hmm. it was before I even started, you know, putting my stuff out myself as Trey West music. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was pen first. Mm. Before I was rapper, how did the songwriting prowess like come about? Were you like, was it because you were like musical with the freestyles and you can think of flows, or was it like you were a good writer? Like for example, like essays or, or English class. Like were you like one of those dudes who were just like not literary? <laughs> I actually, I actually almost failed grade ten English. Like no okay. cap, yeah, yeah, no. But it wasn't because I couldn't speak English or write English. It was mm-hmm. the whole Shakespeare session oh, like like they're gonna look me in the face and tell me shakespeare speaking english like mm, i'm not hearing none of that i don't know if any of you guys have ever read a shakespeare novel or book it's not english bro you know what i'm saying like it's Definitely just not a, modern english it's Some not old. i mean okay let me not say it's not it's english but it's just not how i was born and raised to speak it's not relevant english yeah. definitely not but uh the stories are sick but then like yeah you're like, man, it's so all that. extra like the wording is so extra it was like back in the day those type of writers they would write to flex their skills like look how good i can use look how english intricate yeah. look how intricate my shit is rather than just tell the story, story like exactly. make it digestible but um no i was I think it really came down to be, be, me being a conscious individual. Like I was always like a people watcher and, and you know, I, 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 I was always very, very attentive to what was going on around me and, and almost everything I write and not even just for myself, but for other people. Like if I wrote it, it probably happened. Not probably. I mean, it happened. You know Jeez. what I'm saying? Like I'm, 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 I'll take hiatuses for three months if ain't shit going on in my life because I don't have much to write about it and I haven't been the type to cap. You know what no I'm saying? Unless right. my toque is toking. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but even then, it's 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 one of those things where it's like, if it if it wasn't real, I mean I could I could bang with the best of them if we talking shit. We could talk mm. shit all day, but like what what means something to you? You know what I'm saying? Like what what am I saying that you could relate to? You know what I'm saying? Like we're all human beings at the end of the day. We all go through a lot of very similar, you know, trials and tribulations. And for me, it was like, how can I make that digestible? It started off me just writing, you know, 64 bar verses, no hooks, no chorus, just wrapping my ass off. But then it turned on, it turned out to be like, you know, like, you know, song structure and how do I make this more digestible? How do I get this message across without over rapping? Mm-hmm. And also without under wrapping so that they understand mm-hmm. what's going on and, and mm-hmm. what I have to offer. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I, I totally relate to that because I rap as well. And I, when you start as a rapper, your whole thing is like, oh, you want to prove yeah. that you could spit, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then as you kind of like mature in your development, you realize, oh, it's more about like this overall record making and like, you know, knowing what to say, when to say it. You yeah. don't have to say the most. Some people say the least and it works. Some people, you got to find like, you know. And my passion for music, my passion for music doesn't come from just the, the sound. It comes from like, the, I, I truly believe music is is a feeling, you know, it's vibrations at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you want to break it down to a science, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The best songs, everybody's favorite songs made them feel something. 
whether mm-hmm. it was whether it was joy, whether it was despair, whether you cried through it or whether you laughed through it, it made you feel something. And mm-hmm. that and that that's not quantifiable by, you know, a bunch of bullshit lyrics. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because when you associate like a song with a memory, every time you hear that song, you literally bring yourself back to that moment. You're like, dang, like it still has this like physical even clear, effect. Even a clear example, like when when, you know, you're in a relationship or you have a song with your partner, you know what I'm saying? And you know that was your that was your song that was your mm-hmm. guys' song and then mm-hmm. and then you know you you're not with that person anymore. Why you think it's so very hard for you to listen to that song? Mm-hmm. And why you think it hurts when it didn't hurt before? Why you think it hurts now? Because it's like you forever attach that memory or that part of your life mm-hmm. to to those vibrations. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, so what kind of when if you were to describe the type of vibrations that you want to kind of put out or put people on, like what? kind of vibe would you say your music puts out i know you have you're pretty dynamic you have a pretty big range but what is your goal when you're trying to you know make music well for me it 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 all started with love because i feel like love is like the most you know powerful emotion that we all experience no matter where it comes from you know i'm saying you can't hate unless you've loved Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. and and everybody is always you know kind of highlighting the hate in the life and, and what you hate about life or the people that made you feel hate, but at the end of the day, you have to love a certain part of something to even be able to experience that emotion. And, and for me, um, love meant a lot of things and, 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 and love changed me in a lot of ways, but it always started for me beyond being conscious and, and, you know, uh, looking up to, you know, rappers like, you know, Lil Wayne and, 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 and Biggs and, and Kendrick and, and, and J. Cole and, and Mac Miller. And like, I could keep going on for days, but just like people who were saying something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I like a lot of, you know, the, the, the young rappers nowadays who aren't saying much just because they are vibe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I could bump vibe. to that. I could bang my head off the wall to that. But at the end of the day, the, the, the people I grew up when I was sitting on my computer back before we had the iPhones and, 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 and social media and it was just YouTube and me in the, in the desktop, you know what I'm saying, with the computer tower and shit, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I would be on YouTube and I was looking for, you know, like like the Mary J. Blige and the Ludacris, you know what I'm saying? I was mm-hmm. looking for uh, uh, anything that would make me understand that I wasn't the only person going through what I was going through, mm. whether it was people not understanding me or, you know, my mom issues or my dad issues, which mm. is something I talked a lot about in my music or my family issues in general mm. or my issues with the females I have dealt with or, you know what I'm saying? It was just realizing that not only am I not the only one, but people have had extremely similar situations that they've dealt with, if not the exact same and if you listen close enough, you might learn something from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it always came from a place of love for me. Mm-hmm. And that made me love music. I, f- I kind of feel like um, this This is a good segue to my next topic. But your song, Trials, 2019, you released this song. It's your biggest song. You have about, as of today, 809K, which yeah, is yeah. super impressive. Wow, I didn't even know it was, it was at that number. That's right almost there. at a milli, bro. Yeah, last time I checked that, that was at like a 790 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, I got people hit me up from places I haven't been mm-hmm. talking about. Oh, I heard your track, Trials. Like, please keep making me. Like, it's just like, yeah. Back it has to the, that feeling. Like, 
I would describe it as love, but not in like a romantic sense, but you could tell like there it's thoughtfully crafted. Yeah. The beat was like a cool, nice vibe. And yeah. it was like what you were saying and, and the flows you hit, like you could really tell like there was passion behind it. That was the first track. I sorry, I I think I it was no name Tim. I was sitting in California in, in, in Coast's bedroom and uh he played me a pack and I heard that beat and it's just like I kind of blacked out for a couple minutes and just wrote <laughs> how I really felt about track trials you know what I'm saying I made a track called Tribulations didn't even come close but just the trials of life and, and, and even the video like shout out to Deuce Deuce Gelato my boy Deuce who's on uh, YouTube about to hit 100k followers on YouTube doing this damn thing but him and uh, one of his past girls was in the video they were nice enough to come and do the acting for me and mm-hmm. you know what I mean I had Jungle Music support that video and it was just like everything that I ever worked for in music kind of came to fruition it doesn't always your vision doesn't always come out how you envision it in mm-hmm. your head. But that time, that one song, not that one song, but one of the songs and, and, and the videos that I put together, that like that was that was like I couldn't have we couldn't have done this any better, you know what I'm saying? And and mm-hmm. for me it was it was a real a real moment of growth because mm-hmm. I've always looked at myself like I'm not I'm not a I'm not a genius until I start rapping. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I'm I'm a smart guy like everybody else, but it's like I I feel like it's so much different when I when I pick up a pen and that was one of the most that was one of the times where I'm like bro like this was before it's time this was beyond me mm. you know what I'm saying like how I put those words together and what I was talking about and how I was talking about it 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 it, it just turned into into something that was bigger than myself bigger mm. than my artistry you know what I'm saying and 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 it, it for me it was like it, it when it, when I started realizing it it was received by so many other people like who am I to, to touch 800,000 people mm. You know what I'm saying Like I'm 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 just like Everybody else You know what I'm saying Like the only difference Is like I, I really pay attention To what I would like To be good at What I wanted to be good at What I love to do And for once in my life Before I needed The validation Of the people Right in front of me Or the people on my block Or the people in Toronto I had people In, in, in countries That don't speak The same language as me But heard me mm. In pure Plain English Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people almost on a daily basis be in my DMs talking about I'm from Berlin or I'm from UK and I just heard your track trials by accident, but I have it on loop. Like, thank you so much for writing that song. And like, that's all I need, to be honest with you. Like, I, the money, it, 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 it's 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 obviously important and, it, and it's coming and it's one of those things I'm now more focused on because I put in so much hard work. But originally, I was I was trying to touch people. I was trying to, you know what I'm saying? No homo. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to I was saying, I, that came out aggressive. I was trying to. I was trying to. I was trying to make people feel something, and that was the first time I successfully feel like I made people feel something, like more people than I could physically touch. Mm-hmm. Like I can't hold eight hundred thousand hands. You know what I'm saying? But they felt where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. How did it get to that number? Like, did you guys have like a marketing strategy, or did it just you just release? I haven't. It? I haven't marketed Trout since I dropped it. I dropped it. I did a couple playlist marketing options. Like, you know, we marketed the YouTube video a little bit, but that was years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was, when did you say, when did it drop? 2019. Yeah. Like it's, it's 2020. Ago. Yeah. Like that was like, I've done so much in between now and then. Um, but it was just one of those things that like it hit the ground rolling and never stopped rolling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Still I have, rolling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, every time I look at my Spotify for artists, like there's, you know, 12, 15, 25 people listening to it. Like 
live and I just and in my head That's I'm incredible. like I'm like bro at least at least 50% of these these people is listening to trials right now like you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. not not to say the other music isn't worthy or isn't good enough like it's all it's all fire but like this is the one that people can't avoid feeling mm-hmm. you so I mean? when you make a song like that because I'm, I'm thinking from my position if I make a song and this style of my artistry slaps I'm gonna try to I wouldn't say recreate it because you'll never be able to fully recreate that, but you're gonna like okay, give the fans what they want. So yeah. like, have did you find yourself kind of wanting to recreate and duplicate that success and like go for similar styles of songs? Well, that type of song, that type of style, that type of conscious rap for me was my baseline. It was actually harder for me to branch off of that and do trap music or do so that's your you most know, like, authentic like I could OG do that all type. day. Wow, I could do that all that's day, awesome. every day. Like that's that's it's 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 like when I be writing songs like that, it looks like I'm texting. You know what I'm saying? Like it just comes out. Like I don't even know how to explain it anymore. But it's really just back to being conscious and 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 rapping about things that happen in real life and 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 things that you know, means something to me. That mm-hmm. was all that track was a, was a product of. That was with that track. But like, that's where that track came from. Mm-hmm. Real life. Like if, if anybody listens to Trials Close Enough, I'm not talking about anybody else but myself and but my own trials and tribulations. It just so happened that a lot of other people felt the same way and nobody else was talking about it like that. I feel like being vulnerable in music is no longer popular, especially from where I'm from. But mm-hmm. I don't believe that that's where longevity comes from. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I could be the cool guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could sit down and, and and talk about, you know, money and cars and my experiences traveling and, you know, girls and women and clubbing and, and you know, drinking and smoking. Like, yeah, like, and I do that every once in a while. So I, I don't put myself in a box. But um, for me, trials was, was, authentically my most authentic self and for me to even put that out was a was a was a place of vulnerability for me mm-hmm. and i feel like it worked out because a lot of people they might not be able to say how vulnerable they are how they feel or put it out like i did but they can feel it because of mm-hmm. the vulnerability you know what i'm saying and i think people are also longing for more substance in music i think Everyone kind of gets the point of the turn up music and it has its place and it has its appropriate. Yeah, but like, what do you listen to when you go home? Yeah, on your ones. So we're like, you know, you're not turning up right now. So it's like, you can't really, you know, so. You can only turn up for so long. Trust Mm -hmm. me, I know. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I got like a two day limit. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break from our sponsor. So more with Trey West, Burl Sound after this. This episode of the Burl Sound is brought to you by our friends over at Hello Piffy. They are a cannabis delivery service based in the GTA. You can find them on Leafly, Seven Days a Weed, Instagram at Hello Piffy, and on their website at hellopiffy.ca. If you tell them that the Burrow Sound sent you, you will save 30% off your order. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right, welcome back to the Burrow Sound. DJs are Trey West in the building. Yes, sir. Uh, Trey, I honestly did want to ask you about the difference between songwriting for yourself versus songwriting for others. Do you feel like you, it's easier to songwrite for others or easier to songwrite for yourself or is it just the same both ways? I mean, it's obviously, I, I feel like maybe not a lot of people might not feel the same way, but it's always a little harder for me to songwrite for other people. It's not hard. It's just, you got to put yourself in, in their shoes. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not about to talk when we were talking about me being conscious and me being personable. Like, I can't be too personable in a, in a or too personal in a track I'm writing for somebody who's not me. Mm. Right? Like, I got to kind of put myself in their shoes and be like, all right, well, how's this guy feeling? How's this guy's lifestyle? And that made me a better writer overall because it, it allowed me to to kind of, you know, get a bird's eye view of any situation and write about it regardless. Even put if it yourself wasn't about in their me. shoes kind exactly. of thing. Mm. So a little harder, but extremely extremely worth it and and, and very rewarding mm. yeah and how did you guys grow clubhouse gems to what it is because the one time i went there it was booming and every time i see pictures and videos and footage from it it's packed to the wall i gotta give all that credit to hunter's club i really came in like on a i want to be a part of this flex you know what i'm saying mm. like i was like i saw what was going on and I knew it was right down my alleyway of, you know, I, I've, I've hosted a couple of weddings, like I've hosted club, club events, I've hosted parties. And that was the first, like, it was really giving me a 106 and Park vibe. I grew up on 106 and Park, mm-hmm. on BT, on, on Rap City in the basement, everything like that. And when I saw what they were doing and I saw that, you know, I had it in with Splash because that's, that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, through him, I met, you know, my other brothers and Henny and, and all the guys that are part of it. Like, I really just wanted to, to kind of do my part. You know what I mean? To 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 bring more attention and, and, and bring more love to the situation they already had going. Like mm-hmm. Hunters Club on their own is 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 an innovative group of young, talented black individuals who really have resumes. You know what I'm saying? Really, really created something that flourished. I can't wait till Clubhouse comes back. Like I'm very excited for Clubhouse to come back. Like, you know what I mean? But it turns it, it really got to the point where they like they need a bigger space. Like, you know what I mean? Like we had way too many people in that venue. You know what I mean? Like performances and and, and the interviews where it was a bunch of artists that that you know not only were native to Toronto but really dope people who weren't afraid to show their personality. You know what I'm saying? And it really messed with the gang. So um, shout out to Clubhouse Jam. Shout out to Hunters Club. They 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 really accepted me with open arms, and I'm I'm more than humbled and grateful by that. Mm-hmm. It's a great network, great community. I felt like, like for the first time, and I was like, "Wow, like this is incredible." I didn't even know this existed in the city, and it's just so well put together. I'm trying to DJ for them one time. You know oh what I'm hell saying? yeah! So don't line that up. Yeah, you know I'm saying I'm gonna put my good word. In <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't a problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Make that happen. Um, okay, so your drink of choice. Ah, that's the problem with drinking. I don't really have one. <laughs> I really just like alcoholic beverages. I mean, talk don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I don't like vodka seltzers and like, you know what I mean? But if it's the only thing to drink, I'll drink it. Mm-hmm. But um, like I prefer, I like rum a lot. Um, Bacardi Gold was always my go-to. I'm not a fancy guy. I mean, Douce is my fanciest drink. Like I love Douce. Do you have particular alcoholic choices for particular like moments in life? Like for example, like, yo, I'm linking a shorty. I'm only drinking Tequila. This. Tequila, okay. Shorties love tequila. I'm going to the movies. Yeah. Uh, with the whole, like, like a bunch of people. The with, homies or shorties? With, with the homies. Rum. Rum. Okay. Gets you there with quickly. shorties? Tequila. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it just like, if you, anytime you ask me about the shorties, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, shorties. <laughs> but they love that they tequila. Like everything from 1800 to, to the Migos, you know what I'm saying? The Casamigos, like, like. I the other day, I I stopped at the LCBO the other day to, to to get a bottle of tequila for for one of the girls I hang out with because she was just like yo I'm like I got a bottle of rum she's like you know I don't drink that I'm like okay so tequila it is you know what I'm saying so like but with the boys it's just like I got a bottle of whatever they're gonna mm. drink it 
know what I'm saying? Whether it's tequila, whether it's cognac, whether it's rum, whether it's... Oh, God. Do you drink vodka. beer? Are you like into I beer? drink beer. Mm-hmm. I try not to drink too much beer because, you know, it goes to the belly. Yeah. Um, but I used to do a lot of construction work with my pops. Shout out to my pops. He has his own renovations company, um, Six Star Renovations. And um, sometimes on the job, you know what I'm saying, after a long day... Uh, you know, there'd be a fridge in the basement wherever we're renovating and, you know, we'd crack open some beers and, you know, just talk and make jokes. And it was just mm-hmm. very refreshing. You like mm-hmm. a cold Corona on a hot summer day. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing really beats that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I prefer to go to hard liquor just because it gets to the point. I also really like wine. My mom's a wine lover. As I'm saying, like I, I'm over here naming all the all the fucking liquors. Every- like, I sound like I have a problem, but like, <laughs> I'm okay. I swear, you know. what I'm saying? Okay, so are there any alcoholic beverages that you don't like? Like you don't. I do- don't do cream liqueur. Cream liqueur. Yeah, okay. I'm very very black. Like it's lactose for me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like cream liqueur will ups will beyond upset my stomach. Mm-hmm. Beyond the fact that it's a local too. It's it's thick. It's creamy. It's it's just a lot going on. Um, Sake. Are you into like the Asian? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll drink some sake. I actually was introduced to sake for the first time, uh, maybe a year or two years ago, by one of my my boy uh, my boy's girlfriends who was uh, Filipino or Vietnamese. No disrespect, because I can't really remember. But um, it's just like part of the Asian culture, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and they were like, "Yo, try this." I'm like, "All right, cool." And immediately, like, I just thought about all the action movies and shit I used to watch. You know what I'm saying? They would just mm-hmm. have the sake at the dinner table and they was eating around there. I'm just like, damn. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not how I grew up on Naruto. You know what I'm saying? Some mm-hmm. niggas was in there drinking sake. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, I get it. Now I get it. I understand. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to buy it, but if it's there, you know what I'm saying? And whenever I feel like I need to switch it up, if I see it on the shelf, I'm not going to shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so so definitely alcohol and tobacco over weed for you. Like you're For now, only because I was a I was a chronic weed smoker, bro, for like I over over a decade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I smoked I smoked weed before it was cool to smoke weed, before it was legal to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it turned into just something like it wasn't really serving me anymore. It wasn't doing for me what it used to do for me. Like mm-hmm. my 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 weed tolerance was so through the roof. That like, I mean, I used to wake up and choose the bong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and and I used to have it in my trunk. I would take it to work, and like mm-hmm. in between, you know, what I was doing, I would go out and I was I would smoke once or twice or three times, and still come back in and go to work. Like, do what I have mm-hmm. to do, like without mm-hmm. even flinching. Honestly, it only started making me lethargic mm-hmm. and tired rather mm-hmm. than making me high. Right. I stopped mm-hmm. smoking socially. It really started in college when, you know, I had, you know, three roommates, shout out to my three roommates. Um, But there was not much else to do in London, Ontario, Mm -hmm. but smoke weed and skip. And I I mean, I still credit my my college career. I did drop out, but um, I spent all my time out there writing music. Mm. You know what I mean? When I wasn't in class, I wasn't just sitting on my ass. Like I was at a point in my time where I was writing five, six songs a day. Like that was my real writing prime where I felt like I was really perfect. I was putting in my 10,000 hours. Mm. I was perfecting my craft because that's what I believed in. You were doing your own education. A hundred percent. That's, that's it's what I believed in. It's what I wanted to do. I realized that I didn't want to do what I was at college to do. And what I was in the room. college? Police foundations. Jeez. Yeah, I spent. I spent. Oh my god, bro! All my homies would be so mad at me right now. But I spent one. (laughs) I spent one month in that program. I said, "Hmm." when you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, "I got to be a dirty cop," then like you just, you just not where you're at. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is like I was. I was. 
I was guaranteed gonna be one of the filthiest cops on road. Like hundred pounds would have been. So you went selling. into it with corruption. In I, mind, no, man. I went in, after the first months when I realized what was going on. You know what I'm saying? Because we were in there, we ain't protecting the server. We looking for trouble. I mm-hmm. said, yeah. Well, beyond that, like, and I could get away with with anything with a, with a gun and a badge. I was I was about to be El Chapo with them streets. Okay. I just funny side story, right? I was selling weed. Sorry, ma. I was selling weed in college and. um we smoked out. I lived in a dorm and we had smoked out the whole floor at one point because we didn't realize how serious it was getting. Me and my roommate split, you know, like a $400 bond. We went crazy. We probably lasted like three weeks. Um, then the RA comes to the door, knock, knock, knock. Two officers, they walked in. They were like, who's smoking the weed? Who's doing this? This is way before weed was legal in Canada. Um, I had three white roommates, one of them Jewish, the other two were just white boys. Um, but they all like, kind of like, Shit in their pants Like just standing there Like And in my head I'm just like bro Not only do I love these guys But I don't have much to lose Cause what I came here for Is not what I need to be here for mm-hmm. Right So I took the heat I told them I told them fair enough You know what I'm saying You guys are paying my ticket But I will t- Cause it was the, They gave us an ultimatum Like either you, One of you guys fesses up Or all you guys are going down mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying So I'm like Alright boys Huddle up um, I'm gonna take this one. I'm the token nigga. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna do this for y'all. This is what I'm gonna do for y'all. Never forget me. Remember me. Um, but y'all are paying this ticket. And I ended up going to the dean's office, had a meeting with the dean. Um, and he sat down. <laughs> I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, So, um, I see here in police foundations, this is not exactly the right program for you. So, how can we help you? At Fanshawe. And I knew that was him saying, you're getting kicked out of your pro. It was the nicest way of him telling me it was over for me. That was up. It was up. So I ended up switching from police foundations about halfway through a semester to uh, uh, general arts, which I still didn't go to class. I took Spanish class like halfway through the through the school year where like I went in the first class I went to and I really did it for the baddies. You know what I'm saying? Like I was really trying to see some Spanish shouties. So I went to the Spanish class, didn't see no Spanish shouties. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of, bunch of people like myself trying to learn Spanish. But I walked. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously the Spanish stories aren't in Spanish class. Like, what the hell am I thinking? <laughs> Anyways, I'm uh, I'm in the class. The first day of the class, the teacher hits us with a test, and she's just like, she looked at me and she kind of giggled a little bit. She's like, "Do your best," and I literally sat there. I think I attempted to answer about three or four questions, and I got up and I walked out, handed in my paper, and I got up and I walked out, and then I told myself, I am never going back to that Spanish class. <laughs> like, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Not the way I just went out, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it really turned into, uh, it really turned into a musical experience, I mean, a life experience. And, you know, I, I didn't even party that much. Like, I partied a little bit, but most of it was Grand Theft Auto online, mm-hmm. writing music. And 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 smoking a little weed, mm-hmm. and by the time I came back from college, um, about a month earlier than I was supposed to, I stayed the year because you know I had OSAP and all that, and the money was already there, and I'm just like, bro, like let me just at least enjoy this experience while I can. Um, I started working, and I just been working ever since to have some money in my pocket to do what I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To put myself in a position to. Uh, do what I'm passionate about and not do something I feel like I needed to do. And what and you're meant to do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's other, you know, plan B's and plan C's that, you know, I might look into just for the, you know, shits and giggles of, of, of being prepared and, and, and still having, you know, in this country that we live in and a city that we live in, that's not, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to a certain extent, and you know, I've been self-employed and, 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 and doing a lot of, you know, freelance and entrepreneurial work, but, um, you know, 
if I were to do something that, that wasn't following my dreams, yeah, I do have a little bit of a plan and what I would now go into full wholeheartedly and, you know what I mean, finish for myself. But I don't think when I first started out, it was really the pressure of leaving high school and everybody's like, oh, you're supposed to know what you need to do. You're supposed to know what you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to go to college, you're going to go to university and you pick your program. You're going to, you know, finish that. And then that's the job you're going into. Like, it just, it was all kind of mm-hmm. a lot for me. Yeah, they like push it. And then like everyone's posting their acceptance letters and you're like trying to, you know, you want to be a part. Everyone's going somewhere. People, some people are going off campus. And my older sister didn't make it any better. Like she wasn't the, the greatest high school student, but no disrespect, Sid. But um, she uh, went to college, went to two different colleges and she graduated. And now she's a, a dental hygienist and oh. she makes a, a decent coin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and it's what she enjoys doing, though. That's why I always, I always ask my mom, too. I have a hard time respecting people who just work to work so one day I asked my mom's I'm just like your mom's like why do you work at the airport like what is it about she's like well I went to school for travel and tourism I love seeing the world traveling is my passion so I ended up working at the airport and I, how do you how do you argue with that mm-hmm. uh, in, in 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 high and not hindsight and in, in comparison to the parents who you'd ask you know why do you why do you are you a teacher why do you work at the bank and uh, they go oh well you know it pays the bills exactly Fuck, the fuck is that supposed to mean to me? At, I gave at 18 up? years old. What the fuck is that supposed to mean to me? It pays yeah. the bills. I don't even have enough bills yet, like to be really concerned. Like it's different now at 26, but it's just like I'm not trying to work to pay the bills. I'm trying to do what I love to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and 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 being fortunate enough to at least know early on, a lot of people know early on what they love to do. I wasn't that fortunate other than the music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I love kids. I love working with kids. I love, you know being personable and, and it's just like I wasn't sure at the time exactly what direction I needed to be headed in so it just mm-hmm. it happened that way mm-hmm. and now well, we're here I think the fact that you know you can log into your Spotify for artists see 25 people listening live Every definitely time. don't even think about the plan being plan C bro I'm not worried about it it'll be disrespectful to the people that look that 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 you know look at me and, 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 and believe in me and the people I work with at this point. It's just like, if I'm not giving it my 100,000%, mm-hmm. I might as well let them go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's some kid in Berlin right time. now who's like idolizing you, wants you to go to Germany and do a show and like, you know what I'm saying? Do that. And we gonna get there for him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We, we I will get there for him. I needs that. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of want to switch gears to more of the street legends yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I heard that, you know, there was this event and you pulled up with minimum five. Shout out to KT. <laughs> baddies. Look, and I like that you said minimum five because it was a lot more. I five. don't know the number. It could be infinite. You know, it could be 20, 30, but it's at least five. That's what I heard. I don't, I don't really love to club. I really do it more of as business and, and, and networking, right? But I, I've, I've, for lack of a better way of saying it, been surrounded by a lot of females in my life. I was raised by women. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I have three sisters. And I, I spent a lot of time. So it's just like I, 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 I have no... I have no restrict, like in terms of talking and, 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 and I got a lot of female friends and, and my, my friends got a lot of female friends. So it's just mm-hmm. like when I go out and I hit up these people and they know I'm a great time, you know what I'm saying? People I met from here to Ottawa, um, they show up and when they show up, I, it might make me look a little egregious. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it might make me look a, a little crazy, but like I think I had a booth. Um, and I think there were about four, five or six guys in the booth and there was about 12, 13 girls in the booth and like the girls brought girls. Like 
it was just like I walked in and I and I and I didn't realize the type of female pool like beyond you know what I mean like at a party at any event girls are the key you know what I'm saying they give they give the men FOMO Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They get more people to come to more your More people, event. more money spent. Like, it just looks better Especially overall. Especially when they look good. Like, they might not be spending all the money, but they get people to pull their pockets out. The you vibes. Me? Yeah. So, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, yeah, yeah. We we we, we, I, I, we did that. So, yo, what is what is the key to hosting an event and making sure that it's not a sausage risk, making sure that you have a good ratio? How do you ensure... That you can get women into an event. You start with the women. You start with the girls. Like before mm. I hit up any of the guy friends I have, unless it's a guy friend who's on his gigolo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hit up the, the the most attractive females I know, which is it happens to be a lot of them. Yeah, I went from from school to from Scarborough to to, to to Durham to London. Like, you know, I travel a lot. I I got friends from here that, you know, out of Halifax. It's just a lot. So I'll literally start with them. Hey, what you doing? How you doing, boo? Everything good, everything cool. By the way, there's an event, you know, and they like to party. They love to party. And every time they come out and party, I'm going to take care of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you need something to drink? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you need something to smoke? So you have that rep, that credibility where it's like, yo, if you party with Trey West, 100, it's going to be lit. 100,000%. And, I, and I, I pride myself off of that because that came through years of networking. Like on some business shit, mm-hmm. it really came through years of networking and just being a kind individual. Like I'm not out there being being a dick or like, you know what I mean? Just or, or talking shit or like, like I really lead with love. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I feel like a guy like myself, it's almost unexpected. You know, you know, I, I rap, you know, I, I got some followers. I, I, I got, I'm full of tattoos. Like I, I'm not the most approachable guy when I go out and I'm on my goonie, you know what I'm saying? But it's just like, when they do have the conversation with me or when I do get to speak to them, they're like, oh, this guy's nice. He's a nice guy. He's a respectful guy. You know what I'm saying? I hold the door open. You think mm-hmm. I give a shit? You know what I'm saying? I will hold that door mm-hmm. because that girl I held that door for is going to remember, oh, yo, this guy, he he, he got some broth up see, You know what I'm saying? This mm-hmm. guy, he was raised right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So step one, you got to target a female audience. 100%. Step two. Cause yo, we be and throwing that, events here. Like I do a beer pong tournament. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to, you know, get. And that's for everything, like, by the way. The music industry is is you know is, is carried by women, mm. by females. You yeah, they're like, like the tastemakers in a sense. As a guy, even or you can ask, uh, you know, your guy friends. It's like if you know your guys are listening to something, it's one thing. But when the girls are bumping something religiously, like okay, I need to hear that because clearly I'm missing something. Like I'm missing out on something. Or when the girl gets in your car, you're taking her on a date. You want to make sure that you're playing the music that she likes. You're not just mm-hmm. gonna throw on trap music. You know what I'm saying? If she's in the Afro beats, you better throw on the Afro beats. I better hear mm-hmm. a little bit of that. That yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but the test. That's where it started for me. And just like I said, like I, I led with love. Like, you know what I mean? I, I had a couple girlfriends. Like I was, it was, you know, through their friends, through, through my own female friends that it's just like, I just ended up being surrounded by a conglomerate of not only beautiful women, but smart, educated women who don't mind partying. Mm-hmm. Don't mind getting out. It sounds like all I need to do is if I get Trey West as a part of the promoting team of oh, a yeah. party, oh, there will just you. be girls that show up. It's oh, kind of the you. vibe I'm getting. Yeah, we got you. Trey West got you. Hmm? Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll run it by him. <laughs> All right. So we have this. So we have a beer pong tournament. We've uh. done four. And, you know, when the ball falls off the table, you know, you got to you gotta get it. So 
what we kind of were thinking was we have like some baddies yeah, yeah. who are like rebound girls. Yeah, yeah. And like, the, you know, like in UFC, how they have like the halftime, like, you know, every, between every round they have like, yeah, yeah. you know. So so my question, my, my even first question is like, what's in it for the baddies, right? Be, other than looking bad. What kind of budget do you think I'm, I'm looking at for that? Depends on how many. Three? Well... It depends on the we time. We have licks. Right? We have. Y'all about to say, like, are you are you facilitating? Facilitating, yeah. turn up, facilitate and food. Yeah. Oh, see, now Maybe we're having transportation. Now you can get three. You could get three for sure. You know what I'm saying? What we might of, not even be looking for budget. Now you add the budget on top of that, you can get six. That's really how they work. Like if you can guarantee them a great time, tell me if I'm lying. That's but what yo, I'm saying. It's like it's kind of like you're asking them to do a job, but you're not paying them. Yes and no. <laughs> That's a, that goes deep, bro. Yeah, That's yeah. Like some pimp shit. Yes and no. You, you, you can <laughs> you can involve them in the budget. You can involve them in the budget, but it's just like we're not we're not hiring cleaning ladies. You know what I'm saying? We're not we're not hiring maids like it. If they're gonna come out here and be bad, regardless. But then you you know free cover. That's why any club you go to in Toronto, the cover's free. You know what I'm saying? If you're talking about free cover, and then you add on you know free drinks on top of that, and we're gonna feed you. You can slide them a little bread too if if you feel like it's needed. For example, the girls with the higher tiers, like the, the, the crazy amount of followers, the girls that are gonna bring out other girls, those are the girls you need to pay. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But those, they're bringing value to your party because they're exactly. gonna attract people. Exactly. The girls that are willing to be in pictures. You got girls that come out with look bad. And do their thing, but they're not willing to pose up and be in the pictures and promote the event. Mm-hmm. Those are the girls, the, the girls that are willing to be in the pictures and promote the event and bring other people. Those are the girls that need to get their bread. So you're saying the rebound girls are more like they're kind of here for the partying with us in a sense or, as a part of the tournament. Or you take it to the level where they're rebound girls who brought girls and who are also posting up in their you know rebound girl outfits, maybe with a backdrop. And making the, the, increasing the value of just being attractive. There's a lot of just attractive females out here mm-hmm. who have no problem drinking your bottles out. Mm-hmm. But then there's girls who are just as attractive that have no problem drinking your bottles out, but will also provide value to your party. Mm. Okay. Yo, man, we might have to, you know, hire this guy as like a beer pong consultant for the committee for our next event. Cause, uh, yeah, bro. Honestly, like we, for the work. we do like a storyline with it. I'm trying to make it like a WWE UFC kind of vibe yeah, yeah, with yeah. beer pong. Round you know? one. Yeah. Round two. Yeah. I'm I'm with that. With the so okay, so I want to ask one more event question. Hell yeah. If you're throwing an event, what's an appropriate time between when you start promoting and when the event is? And what do you think is like a good what do you think is like a minimum budget or do you even need a budget in some cases? I mean it depends on the level of the event but I would say off of off a of rip like, like I'm you, trying to make money off the if event. If you start promoting tickets. 30 days before your event then you can expect to break even. 30. If you if I notice what I said if you start promoting 30 days before your event one month then you can expect to break even. It's not going to be a, a non-success but mm-hmm. you're just not going to make that much money. You've been promoting your event for 3 months, 2 months at least and Really involving the people that you need to be there, you want to that you want to come there, and 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 making sure that those people maybe have a guest list, you know what I'm saying, or, or those people got a section or a booth. When you facilitate on a different level for those people, people are not only going to show up, but they're going to spend money, mm. right? Because nobody wants to be left out of the lituation. And when you've been talking about a lituation for two months, and the general consensus is this is where people are going right now, this is what people are doing right now, then. Nine times out of ten, that's exactly what you're gonna get. So you gotta generate this FOMO. You gotta. That's pretty much what you're looking for. FOMO, Mm. fear of missing out, because nobody wants to miss out on the situation. 
You know what I'm saying? Especially with the baddies in them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's fair. That's actually really good advice. Like, I'm going to be studying this, like, for the next events. Um, yo, we're going to wrap up in a bit. Um, but I want to ask you about this new single that you're going to drop soon. Yeah, Abre La Boca. Um, it was a song I wrote a long time ago, actually, but now it's finally ready to release because I wrote it in the middle of the winter when it was like, you know, nobody was going anywhere. It was like towards the end of the pandemic, like the events weren't really popping, like the clubs weren't really popping, but it's a club track. And I don't normally start with club tracks to do club tracks too crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm once again, didn't want to put myself in a box. So I made sure I was versatile and could do what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. But this was one of the first club tracks where anytime I dropped it or anytime I played it anywhere, cause I'm one of those guys where I'll, I'll test the waters. You know what I'm saying? I'll play it for people. I'll play it for groups of people. I'll play it at a party. I had a small event, you know what I'm saying? And everybody's head's just like, what's going on? Who's, it doesn't even matter at that point who I am. It's, it's the vibrations. You know what I'm saying? They're just, they're like, oh, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? So that, mm -hmm. that track, Aubrey, is, is, that, that's what represents the turn up for me, like in terms of, you know what I mean? Even the subject matter, like it's, it's, it's Spanish for open your mouth. Mm -hmm. A little egregious, but they like egregious, provocative. It gets the people going. You know what I'm saying? I like how you're bringing it back to Spanish. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. <laughs> I started with Spanish class and now, you know, we back yeah, with Spanish. I had a Spanish girlfriend for a, a while. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Shout outs to her too. But it, it unfortunately didn't work out, but she she taught me a lot of things. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm grateful to that at least. Would you say that that's your type, or are you like? I don't open? really have a type. My type is beautiful. My type is love, and and at the time, that's what she was providing for me. And you know, it was just it was one of those things that you know it it, it happened, and and it was it was love, and it was beautiful, it was still love. But um, she taught me a lot about a culture I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. Right, like I spent so much time at that dinner table, I had to figure out a little bit of Spanish. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying, or Back. else I was left out the conversation. So, That's crazy that you went from like Spanish oh, yeah. class. And you're like, I'm never going back to Spanish class. And then like every day at dinner. I know more Spanish than I do French. No cap. <laughs> no cap. Yeah, me too. For some reason. Yeah, you know, it's not for some reason. We know I'm going. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it ain't for some reason. <laughs> you right. You right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, honestly, this was fun. You know what I'm saying? I feel, like, time. I feel like our paths are going to be crossing more and like yeah, there's yeah. going to be more collabs, more, thank you know. Thank you for having me. Yo, thank you for coming. Is there anything you want the people to know before we end this podcast? Are, are there, is there any messages, any motivational quotes? Well, first of all, Slim Fo, if you didn't know. Um, second of all, I do rap. It's all I do. Please check it out. Um, you might be missing out on something if you don't. Uh, shout out to KT, shout out to No Name, No Name Tim, shout out to Kofi, shout out to anybody who had anything to be a part of this journey. My sisters, my, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've always been supportive. My mother, um, just authentic music will live. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going for longevity. So if it takes me, you know what I'm saying, half a lifetime, hopefully not that long. Cause now I'm doing the things I need to be doing, but I'm in it for the music. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm in it for the vibrations. So, in my conclusion, just listen closely. Damn, that was fucking deep. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, uh, thank you uh, for tuning into the Burrow Sound. Thank you, Trey West, for coming through. Shout out to you, UIN. And uh, until next time, I'm DJ Zar, a.k.a. Big Turk. Yeah, yeah. Make Trey sure West you music. like, comment, subscribe. You know what I'm saying? Hit that bell notification. And spread love. IG, spread love, love. You know what I'm saying? Love is the catalyst. You feel me? Love is the beginning. Spread that.
We need that a lot, especially now in this world with all the craziness that's going on. Love. That's facts, bro. I I can't even argue against that. I don't think anybody can when they really think down to themselves, unless you're just a hater. But then again, can't hate without, without love. love. You know, it's still uh, a love. We are bro, still here. Then. Gotta, you're listening. Gotta, come on. We gotta man. stop this right now.